0: It's the 4th of June, 2021. This is day two, day three of ULAR 2021. I'm Jack Cush, executive editor of roomnow.com, coming to you from my kitchen where I'm covering the ULR 2021 meeting. It's exciting. It's never ending. We start 4 a.m. We're still working at it at, at midnight. But again, I think you'll see a lot of good stuff on the website. Hopefully you're watching the stream either on Twitter or in your email or on our website. So let me uh, give you a few snippets from this meeting so far. First, congratulations to all the presenters at ULR. I think they've done a great job in uh, piecing this together for a virtual presentation. Both the researchers and the ULR organizers um, uh, led by Ian McGinnis and many capable people have done a fine job. Um, some of the abstracts that I like so far that I'll just talk briefly about here. Um, why not start with one that I'm an author on the select compare study, the select compare study, as you know, is a, um, an analysis of, uh, patients who go on, um, uh, OOPA or, um, or, or not, uh, after they have failed other therapies, after they fail the TNF inhibitor, uh, and they go on to, um, you know, uh, receive UPA. And the bottom line is that it works really quite well. And in this particular analysis, I think there was, oh, I don't know, it was either 300 or 600 who entered the, the actual select compare study. And now we're doing a sub-analysis or a post-hoc analysis of those patients who were previously treated with IL-6 inhibitors or previously treated and failed one, two, or three um, TNF inhibitors. And the response rates are, are, are again, all in line with what we saw with the original um, select compare study, Uh, even though the subgroup analyses that we're looking at here are sometimes small. Um, I think we had uh, 170 patients who had failed one or more TNF inhibitors, but I think there was only um, 50 or so who had failed uh, IL-6. Um, but the bottom line is that despite either failing TNF or IL 6, you could go on to receive a JAK inhibitor, in this case, who had a him, and do quite well going forward. Um, the safety signals, there was nothing really new there. I think that that was um, all quite important. Uh, a nice abstract from Ron van Vollenhoffen looking at the three year outcomes. From the select early study, these are patients who had early disease and were treated with uh, UPA or uh, methotrexate, and they did very, very well. The three year data looks as most of this, these three, five, and 10 year reports all look really great because you're only looking at the people who stayed on the drug, people who already have proven that it works and already proven that it's safe. But it continues to be safe over a three year period. No new signals there. Uh, Again, congratulations to them for that. Um, I thought there was very interesting data on spa. Um, UPA showed its one-year data uh, showing it works in spondoarthritis patients, which was uh, as expected but very encouraging because there currently are no JAK inhibitors that are FDA-approved for use in spondoarthritis. Topacitinib has an application on file with the FDA that's on hold until the FDA can make decisions about tofacitinib and other JAK issues. I would expect we see that maybe in the third quarter this year. Um, and then these other drugs, uh, including apatacitinib and also filgotinib, uh, have shown some very good data. Filgotinib showed data at this meeting that um, the x-rays are, uh, have there's an x-ray benefit to using filgotinib. And again, trying to prove... X-ray benefit retardation of X-ray progression in spondylitis is much, much, much higher in um, AS and spa patients than in RA. But now we're seeing it with several of the JAK inhibitors uh, in this example led by Phil filgotinib. But there are reports also at this meeting of TNF inhibitors showing the ability to um, protect against progression in patients with spondyloarthritis who are treated with TNF inhibitors. Uh, but a lot of the studies there take maybe up to four years to see those kind of benefits. And that's maybe why we haven't seen this data thus far, because who wants to do a four or a 10-year study? That's not good. Also in the world of spondyloarthritis, um, abstract OP227, uh, Ducravacitinib, or the TIC2 inhibitor, uh, we introduced last year as a drug being studied in psoriatic arthritis, and now we have extended results. The primary endpoint in that trial was a 16-week. They tried two different doses of the TIC2 inhibitor, Ducrevisitinib, or DUCI, as I want to call it. They're not going to like that. Anyway, um, ACR20s, uh, DAPSA, uh, MDA, minimal disease activity, all superior in the two doses of uh, the crevacitinib versus placebo. The ACR20 was 63% uh, with the highest dose, 12 milligrams, 53% with the lower dose, and 32% with the placebo at 16 weeks. Uh, again, no new safety signals there, and that's encouraging. Um, I think maybe the big issue in SPA that I saw in the last two days was the issue of, of one, um, jacks being, uh, are in play, uh, and there seems to be X-ray protection. The other issue is spacing. There was a very nice study that looked at um, can you take patients who aren't CNF inhibitors uh, to treat spond arthritis? And can you then space out? Take your Enbrel from one to two to th- every three weeks or for every four weeks. Take your, your um, uh, Adalimumab to uh, every two, to every three, to every four, to every five weeks. And in that trial, I think there was almost 100 patients. Um, and they had, a, you know, half that were spacing out their TNF inhibitors and the other half that continued on the dose. And in the end, um, I want to say a, a one year, a one 12 month outcome, the number of patients who were still in low disease activity. Oh, by the way, you had to be in low disease activity, a BASDI less than four and doing well on the TNF inhibitor to be entered. So at 12 months, the number who were still in low disease activity was over like 91.5% on those who continued drug versus 88% in those who were spacing it out. And there didn't seem to be any other downside. Now, what you don't know is, and this is a relatively small cohort for the spa world, but you don't know whether there's an x-ray hit, whether there's a bony consequence to spacing out and giving suboptimal therapy. Um, You don't know whether there's going to be, you know, other safety signals. I think you need larger numbers. But I think for those of you who hate, no, I'm talking about myself. I hate spacing studies. For those of you who like spacing studies, this is encouraging. Of course, many of us don't really care as much, um, but we care that our patients are spacing the drugs out and we want to be a little bit more um, prescriptive about guiding them on that and having that, that, uh, ability to tell them what they might expect if they start spacing out their drugs. Anyway, in SPA, the spacing study is encouraging. Um, and lastly, a nice report on RA from the rabbit registry, Strangfeld and colleagues looked at the issue of, can you give a biologic and or a JAK inhibitor to an elderly RA patient um, with without any infectious risk or is it higher? You know, uh, when it comes to the risk of serious infections, in RA, elderly being over 65, over 70 is a certain risk factor for having a higher rate of infection. A lot of, if you look at the uh, the analysis of what elderly people are taking, they're often less likely to be on a biologic or a jack. And that is, I think, because of many of us are uncertain. Many of us are afraid of infection. Patients may not have the finances because they're on Medicare to get on a biologic. Um, and they have a significant amount of comorbidities. But should they be deprived of effective therapy if they need effective therapy or your most effective therapy? My answer is no, and my answer is backed up by this data from the Rabbit Registry. And here, um, what they showed was that, um, number one, that patients, elderly patients do have a higher rate of SIEs. I want to say their SIE rate was 6.6 per 100 patient years, and if you compare that, and that's for the elderly people, um, if you compare that to all the RA patients in their study, it's about double the rate. So elderly patients do have a higher rate. But if you looked at all the elderly patients, they had over 600 or something in their group and compared those who are on conventional DMARDS or IL-6 inhibitors or abatacept or Rituximab or TNF inhibitors across the board, no difference in SIE rates. And I think that's very, very important to note. So, um, and, I, I, and I think it, and they were certainly just looking here at um, serious infections, um, uh, hospitalizable um, serious infections as m- what meets that definition. So I hope you enjoyed um, ULR so far. I've been enjoying it. I would encourage you to go to our website. Look for something called ULR IQ in the email. If you, if you click on ULR IQ in the email or on our website, You can take a quick mm, short answer quiz, usually true false and learn what's going on at ULAR. Or if you are following what's going on at ULAR, see how good you are at picking up on new developments, new knowledge from this gigantic meeting supposedly going on in, in Paris, but it's going on worldwide. Tune in next week for the final update on ULAR 2021. Take good care.